With one hand, we reach back to the tried and tested principles which have dethroned principalities and powers. And with the other, we reach forward to the purpose, the power of God for a new generation. that right now would you just open your heart to whatever the Holy Spirit might reveal to you David the sweet psalmist of Israel the the warrior king of Israel who replaced Saul God's choices find in all of Israel and David replaced him David said reveal O God the hidden sin of my heart. Thy word have I hidden in my heart for the purpose that I might not sin against you. Repentance and recognition that there are things in our lives that need to be thrown down. Some of you are unable to build your career. Some of you are unable to build the stability of your family. Some of you are unable to build a secure financial foundation for your life. Some of you can't get your education on track. You can't build that. Well, God gave the answer to Jeremiah. He said, Jeremiah, before you can build and plant, you have to root out, tear down, and destroy. That's what we call breaking up the fallow ground. We have to open ourselves so that God himself can speak to us by his word. How many are willing to do that? Because that's the only pathway to victory. That's the only pathway to growth. That's the only pathway to stability. That's the only pathway to increase. That's the only pathway to turning chaos into cosmos are you ready to do it okay so say this jesus i'm ready to destroy every idol every idol must come down every idol must be exposed that the rain of revival might pour down on my life now you give him a praise that seals it and lets him know you're ready. Woo! I'm ready. All right, here we go. If you have a Bible, Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. Uh, we'll read somewhere between verses 3 and 5. Then we're going to Acts 17. Then we're going to 1 Kings 7. Then we're going to 1 Kings 18. And then we're going to Amos 8. And then we'll be through the first introductory remarks. Are you ready? I said, are you ready? Are you excited? Just pray in tongues for the next 30 seconds. And get your spirit open, get your mind open, get your heart open. Idolatry, say this with me, idolatry stops the rain. Now our God, Jehovah Elkanah, haven't preached that one to you yet, 
is a jealous God. Elkanah, it means he is a jealous God. But you need to understand, he is jealous over us, not out of selfishness. Because God so values freedom that he gives every one of us the opportunity to choose. We preach it as if he sets before us life and death so we can make a decision to come into his kingdom into light and out of darkness. But that's not it. He does it every day, all day long. You make millions of choices every single day. And it's the choices that you make that determine the outcome of your day, your month, your year, your family, your career, your life. So we have to make right choices. So God says, I'm not going to make the choice for you. You have to decide. I will give you options. And the options are not difficult. The options are, would you like a beautiful piece of steak or would you prefer to have a clog of dirt? That's how vivid the choices are when we are truly surrendered, full of the Holy Ghost and receiving the reign of God. Otherwise, the choices become blurred. They become blurred by our own selfishness. We haven't learned that what he wants is better for us than what we want. That's why he said, I'll give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean you desire something and God gives it to you. It means he will place within you the right desires. So if you're still lusty, you're not getting those desires from him. Well, I'm just a man. You're not an animal. The choices are not difficult. Give away your dignity or live righteously. Cheat and gain some money and find your money was put in bags with holes in it. Or give to God and reap the rewards of sowing and reaping. The choices are not difficult. I want everybody to shout this really loud because that media and that world and social media and the printed page and the bankrupt education society and the news media and the entertainers and sports figures want you to believe they've got it all figured out in there and you're an abnormal person trying to live in a normal world when the truth is you are a normal person that is attempting to live in an abnormal world. They want to... They want to virtue signal to you to cause you to feel a sense of shame and embarrassment that you refuse to participate in their craziness and their misery. As for me and my house, I don't want to hear one more parent 
Say, I just can't do anything with them. How old are they? Eight. Give me 30 seconds alone with you. And I guarantee you, they will do what you want them to do. Your problem is you want to be their friend and not their parent. Oh, see, the culture's getting at you, or you'd have been tearing the chairs up right now. I said they want to virtue signal to you that if you discipline your children, there's something wrong with you while their children are destroying cities. We lost the family. That's what we lost. And if we are not guardians of the truth, we will shortly lose the church. The family has to be taken back. We've already lost it in America. It's gone. So all the virtue signaling is, well, what really is a family? So here's the enemy's methodology. Always change the language. Garden of Eden, Satan hissing. Pretty good snake, isn't it? Satan hissing, saying, Hath God said? Questioning the veracity the virility, the value of the Word of God. And then he just slightly changes the definition so that the culture then comes along and just like him mimicking him says, male and female, no. Many, many, Sexes. So they change it to sex is not about biology. Sex is about a state of mind. Do you understand? We change the terminology. And thereby, we believe a lion we're damned. God's desire over us is not so that he can control us, but rather because he is passionate about us because he knows how he created us and how we should, thank you Francis Schaeffer, how we should then live. If you're a believer and you have never read Francis Schaeffer's How Should We Then Live, I wanna check your credentials. Come on. You have to read things that support the Word of God. Not read things on the internet, listening to the news, your sports favorite, your entertainment guru, your workout coach. You have to have voices that are resounding to you in this hour to drown 
out the current uh, virtue signaling that's going on to you 24-7. Exodus 20 verse 3 records the very first of ten commandments. Now let me help you with commandments. They're not optional and they're not flexible. You can't change the language. Adultery means adultery. (laughs) Thou shalt not steal does not mean ordinarily. Thou shalt not kill has no ordinarily attached to it. So the very first commandment begins the entire discourse of the 10 things that will lead you to a victorious life. And the very first one says, you shall not have any other gods. Watch before me. You shall not have cappuccino before me. You shall not have Netflix before prayer time. You shall not have football, baseball, basketball, soccer, tennis, pickleball before me. Now let me take it a step further. If your children were put in a room and they knew you'd never know the answer, what would they say are the prominent things in your life? What do they see you chase after? Well, we know that at least 40 hours of work for the born-again ones among you, you work. Wow, you got a lot of catching up to do. What, What do you mean? Well, you don't want to put 40 hours for money and then come to church and refuse to give God his 10%. What did you just tell your children? Above that, what did you just tell God? So the very first commandment deals with idolatry. You shall not spend money on your credit card before you give your tithe. No other gods before me. The first thing you search for every morning should not be your news feed or to see how many likes you've got. The first thing should be that book. The last thing before you go to bed at night, if you are having no other gods before him, should not be reading your horoscope. It should be reading the Psalms. Okay, it's gotten real quiet. Touch somebody and tell them it's going to get worse. Then it'll get better. Shout, I'm going to be better, greater, stronger, more mighty. Thank you, Jesus. Second commandment, Exodus 20, verses 4 and 5. Verse 4, you shall not make for yourselves any graven idol. Can I stop right there? How do we construct idols today? They're they're more insidious. They're they're harder to find. They they appear incognito. At least the old timers, 
would build a golden calf or they would build a statue in a tree, an Asherah pole. They would name their idols gods. But nobody in our culture, nobody in our culture introduces you to their idol. They don't say this is the God we worship. But I guarantee you, if you walk in their home and there is a television screen more prominent than the altar, where are we bowing down? We don't bow down now. We lay down. And we demand our idol to give us what we want 7,925 channels. Or it's all available in the palm of your hand. We have made our idols so small, we can carry them with us. You shall not bow down to them and you shall not serve them. Acts 17, 16 is our text. Paul's spirit, like pastors, Paul's spirit was stirred within him when he looked and saw the city was full of idols, wholly given to idols. King Solomon's son, Rehoboam, squandered the glory of God in Israel. The nation, as a result of his lack of wisdom, and idolatry, the nation of Israel split in two, into a southern kingdom and into a northern kingdom. Jeroboam was the first of Israel's unrighteous northern kings. He wasted not a second instituting a rival system, hear me, a rival system of worship that would counteract the attraction of the worship of Jehovah Elkanah, the true and living jealous God. Jeroboam erected golden calves throughout the nation, and he did not request, he commanded that the people leave the worship of Jehovah and worship golden calves. And the people acquiesced. What were they to do? Stand up against their government? What were they to do? It was the law. It's quiet in America. We believe that homosexuality is an abomination until a law is passed recognizing gay marriage. And then two-thirds of the church begins to worship at that shrine. 
legality and spirituality are not the same thing. The decree went out. You'll worship these idols. You'll stop this praying to Jehovah. So old Daniel walked to his upper chamber, threw the doors open, and began to pray. Not once, but three times a day. What are you going to do when they say you can't go to church? What are you going to do when they say no praying in public? No open display of a nativity scene. I don't know if I'm scratching the surface here or not. I, boy, I've never seen such stairs. It took less than 60 years. Now, 60 years sounds like a long time to some of y'all. But when you're 67... It's a blink of an eye. It took six, less than 60 years for idolatry's bill to come due and drought was the result. The disaster occurred during the ill-fated alliance between the king named Ahab and his wife named Jezebel who herself brought the worship of Baal to Israel. Ahab built her a temple for the worship of Baal, and Jezebel persecuted and murdered those who dared continue the worship of the God of heaven and earth. But when Satan raises up an Ahab, when Jezebel has to have her pulpit time, I need to help some folks. Let me help some City Harvest Network. Because God called you to preach is no indication he called anybody else in your family to preach. Leave them alone. Let God call whom he will call. Now, if he calls them, wonderful. Don't you play God. When Satan raises up an Ahab and a blabbermouth Jezebel, God will always counter with an Elijah. God commissioned Elijah to speak a word that sent the catastrophic consequences of Ahab and Jezebel's state-sponsored idolatry throughout the nation. Here it is, 1 Kings 17, 1. Elijah said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be what? Dew nor rain. What stops the rain? Idolatry. These years, except I say so. Wow. It was three and a half years before another drop of dew crystallized in the morning or a drop of rain fell from the heavens of grace. Blossoms turned into dust. Croplands became crust. 
The skies were brass and the earth was iron. Water courses slowed down to a trickle. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to point out the spiritual condition of America. Wells and cisterns filled with powder, the most reliable springs in the nation, turned into little old damp spots on the top of dry and cracked and parched ground. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of splashing around in a little bit of muddy water. I want a, I want a flood. I want a deluge. I want a downpour. I want to lay back in the rivers of God. I want to feel water around my ankles and water around my knees and water around my waist and waters to swim in. Somebody shout, Holy Ghost, send the rain. Revival if. Turn from their wicked ways. Destroy the idols. With a terrible toll, with all of that, of Ahab and Jezebel's policies and the pain that they had inflicted upon the suffering nation of Israel, still yet, the preachers and the politicians and the entertainers refuse to face reality. I have never in my mind's eye imagined a culture like we live in today. When people look you in the eye and lie to you and know they're lying to you unapologetically. We put truth for a lie and lies for truth. And off go the unthinking masses into the perpetuations of their own perversions. Ahab got accosted by Elijah and remained unrepentant preacher because they have yet to repent keep preaching preacher because they refuse to seek God you keep seeking preacher if they won't pray you double your pew it, it's it's what all masochistic uh, what do the people think only about themselves? Huh? Narcissist. This is the definition of narcissism. Ahab refused to repent. Here it is. And instead, virtue signaled, turned the tables, and blamed Elijah. For the past 30 years, I have never seen a presidential administration do anything but blame their predecessor for all the mess they got us in. 
don't matter if they're Republican or Democrat or Independent, it's always the other guy's fault. Can you imagine? Ahab blamed the preacher. Well, what's, what's the greatest enemy in America today, we're told? What is it? It's us, Christian people, to the point that the Department of Justice has so many files on us, they've got to build bigger buildings because we're national terrorists. They have worked with mega corporations to follow your spending. And they're especially using trigger words like Dick Sparting Goods. Cabela's. Bass Pro Shops. Religious giving. Because you're dangerous. Change the terminology. Blame the victim. Happened in 1 Kings. It's happening right now. 1 Kings 18, 17 says, So when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab looked at him and said, Are you he that troubles Israel? You bunch of churchgoers, you bunch of Bible thumpers, you bunch of God and country people, you people that go to church and worship that craziness. Are you kidding? So show me a churchgoer that has a hundred million social media followers. Show me one. Who has the power? The media, entertainment, athletics. That's where the power is invested. And those are the shrines at which people worship. Oh God, I got to get to this. Elijah was not intimidated and neither are we. I'm going to say it again. Elijah was not intimidated and neither are we. Here was Elijah's response. I'm not the one that has troubled Israel, but you and your father's house in that you, you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals, your idols. It's a good book. You ought to get a copy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump. Can I jump ahead a little bit? I'll, I'll come back, I promise. Okay, here. In chapter number one, you'll find a few pages, 16 to be exact, on the subject of influenced. How many of you believe you're influenced? Well, of course you are. 
You were influenced by those clothes you got on. You were influenced to drive that car or truck you drive. You were influenced to eat Cocoa Puffs or cream of wheat. You were influenced to eat maple syrup or sorghum. You don't even know what that is. It's a form of molasses. You are influenced about everything. You're influenced about what you think. Your worldview is shaped by the time you graduate high school. Whether you will serve Jesus is shaped by the time you're 13 years old. You have been, you are, and you will continue to be influenced. Don't let the idolaters change the language of what an influencer is. The Bible says, here's the greatest influencer. He that is with you shall be in you, and he will guide you into all truth and bring to your memory all the things that I have commanded you. That's influence. This is influence. On your knees in prayer is influence. Getting in crown him king devotional is influence. The question is, what influences you the most? The 400 commercials a day telling you you're depressed? Or that book? that says the joy of the Lord is your strength. My peace give I to you, not as the world gives. My peace that passes understanding, turning your chaos to cosmos and bringing you supernatural peace. Take this, you'll have peace. Drink that, you'll have peace. Take this pill and your 300-pound rotund body will instantly be changed into a waif. Have you seen this stuff? I'm trying to look up how to pronounce a name, and some long-legged thing that looks like she hadn't had anything to eat but granola since she was two pops up on my screen. I lost 72 pounds in 12 and a half seconds by doing this, what do they call them, hack. Just put some lemon juice, mix it up with some soda, drink that before you go to bed. But at the end of the 35-minute infomercial, where they're just about to tell you the secret, and then they get to a secret, which is for you to buy something that grew in a weed in a rainforest in Zimbabwe and has gone through the strictest of purification. Don't eat your fruit, just take a pill. Vegetables, who needs them? 
leg uphill or three. Influence. In the future, said Pontius Wu-Tang, in the future, everyone in the world will be famous for 15 minutes. Enter TikTok. Enter Instagram. Enter Facebook. Enter text messages which have replaced human communication. Here's what your Bible said. Man, I wish you'd stay for till four o'clock because I just, I'm just full of this. Yes, I heard you. They said he's full of something. I, I heard you. I'm going to influence you. Second Corinthians 10, 12. We dare not. I know not many parents do it anymore, but I knew what a snap finger and a pointed finger and an I dare you did I tell you to stay in the yard? Ball rolls across, rolls across the road. I dare you. As if to say, go on. Make my day. Instead of, I just don't know what to do with them. Here comes a freight train. And listen, can't obey an instruction. Influenced by everything but their parents. Not the church's job to raise them, not the school's job to raise them, not your pastor's job to raise them. Your job, raise them. We dare not, listen to this, we dare not count or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. Everybody knows that, ain't you? But you, people are paying with bellies like mine to paint abs on them, to take pictures of themselves. You're not really, really, I love you. You're not all that. Everybody knows it but you. We dare not compare ourselves with those who measure themselves by each other. 
and compare themselves with one another, for they are not wise. Put that thing down, get on your knees, begin to rehearse the goodness of God, turn that thing off, don't look at that before you go to bed and compare yourself to every person you perceive has a perfect life. Because they don't. Fact be told, truth be told, they're more miserable than you. Good Lord, this is good. I'm going to buy this book. Y'all go online, get that book. Get it, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. I can't do it. Get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. Okay, so I'm going to talk to you, and I got seven minutes left. I'm going to talk to you about being influenced in the cult of celebrity. Don't put anything up there. If you know, don't shout out. If you know someone named Miss Mortensen, raise your hand. No? Okay. Well, let me tell you about her. Miss Mortensen was like most young ladies of her generation, working in a factory to supply the demands of a nation at war while so many of our young men were overseas defending America's freedom. It was a series of twists of fate that caused her to become one of the most iconic celebrities in America. A generation after her untimely death at the age of 36, Nearly everyone still recognizes her. Now everyone that knows Miss Mortensen, raise your hand. You know what did that? Celebrity. She was a factory worker. Certainly not inundated with acting ability. Not much of a singer. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Happy birthday to you. But in the eyes of American men and women, there was probably rarely anyone with a face like that. This guy was a down-on-his-luck truck driver for an electric company. His salary was $40 a week. He'd made several very unsuccessful attempts at becoming part of the entertainment industry. His auditions for a quartet and auditions to be a band leader had crashed headlong. 
He was told, son, you better stick with truck driving because you will never, ever make a living as a singer. But history shows that he did just that. In fact, more than 40 years after his death, he's still known as the king of rock and roll and makes more money 40 years after he's dead per year than 90% of entertainers across America make today. Celebrity. How many of you are under 40 years of age? Great. Put your hands down. How many of you under 40 years of age know who that is? He's been dead 40 years. He was dead before you were born. Both of them passed from this earth in the most tragic of ways. Didn't affect their celebrity. What is it? What fuels the engine of the celebrity cult? The reasons are many and varied and very complex. Often they're contradictory. We want celebrities, listen, we want our celebrities to be ordinary like us. While at the same time, we want them to be extraordinary and nothing like us. You see that as a contradiction? You emulate them. I'll say people. People emulate them. They want to dress like them. They want to talk like them. They want to live like them. And never realize that everything you're believing in is a false projection. It is not real. It's not true. When precious Elvis Presley passed from this earth, he weighed about 400 pounds. He didn't look like that. Watch his last concert. He can barely breathe. And still yet, he's out there chasing it. Because celebrity is never satisfied. You say, if I had a million dollars, I'd want nothing. Yep, you'd want two. If you had five, you'd want ten. Stop! Chase Jesus. I'm, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to close. Like any cult, the celebrity cult is inundated with idol worship. 
The celebrity cult is exactly that. I'm going to point out something. I want you to tuck it in and I want you to take it home with you. Will you do that? Will you do that? Say, I am not condemned. But if the Holy Ghost wants to convict me to make me better, I want it. Please don't make me feel like I have to entertain What goes on up here is not entertainment. And if it is, let me tell you what I'll do. I'll do the same thing I've done for 47 years. I'll put a big right foot on its head and a big left foot on its back and crush it out of here. This is not celebrity. This is not an audition. What we are here to do is to bring glory and honor and worship to him, the only true object of worship. Worthy, worthy, worthy are you, Lord, to receive glory, glory and honor, glory and honor and power, for you have created, have all things created. You have created all things. And for your pleasure, we were created. Thou art worthy, O God. Celebrity culture goes beyond obsession and interest. It gets and becomes worship. Now take some inventory. How long has it been since you put down your phone or turned off your television and felt like you had just wasted hours? Last night? Friday? Here it is. It's in the book. All religions have exactly the same characteristics. You ready? There's a deity. Generally, all-powerful and all-knowing. There's an order of worship. There's a protocol to worship. There are sacred documents. And there are certain designated locations for worship. And there's also a financial support system. You understand, somebody's paying for all of that. Recently, an extremely talented person, beautiful person really, gifted, made $1 billion cash personally for one tour. I believe it was 18 nights. A 
billion dollars. If I did 18 nights and made a million dollars, you'd all leave. But nobody cared to buy those tickets. And what, after all, did they get? A little bit of escape, great. Entertainment should be an escape. They heard some great music, I assume. They sang along. Families together, great. Love all of it. And I'm not saying you're an idolater if you bought a ticket. What I am saying is what is influencing you. And you know how you can tell what's influencing you the most? Check your checkbook. Entertainment, relaxation. You understand? Check your time. Boy. Do people ever despise to be accountable for their time? People despise a dress code. Celebrity opens doors. Believe me. Think about who gets to visit the White House. Not the Little League champions, but the Super Bowl champions. Well, depending on their particular political agenda. Celebrity opens doors. You get to go to dinners. You get to meet people. So all of the other people that don't have that begin to look up to you. Every religion, every religion has a place of worship. Now in the entertainment industry, it might be a smoke-filled club that only 50 people can get in. Or it might be a field where three million show up. But there are always the worshipers. And usually, you have to work to get a seat. They have a set time. They have a protocol. If you're going to be in the squash pit, mosh pit, whatever, you got, you got to be willing to be put on everybody's hands and carried all the way across the whole building. There's a, there's a dress code. Yeah. You think I'm going to like this? 
a Grateful Dead concert? <laughs> right? There's all the things. I want to bring all those things to the cross. That's what I want. I want to take a hammer and I want to destroy the idols that are stopping the blessing of God in our lives. I don't want any part of it. And I know you don't either. God loves you so much. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.